Hey everybody, welcome to the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. I'm John Burke, and with me, as always, from across the pond, is the Kingsman to my statesman, Matt Hudson from whatiwatchtonight.co.uk. Matt, how are you doing, sir? I am doing very well, but I must say, John, I've got something for you. Do you want to hear What's it? What's this? I do. Ready? Here it comes. Oh. Yeah. But I am going to let this this uncomfortably go on for a bit longer because it gets cool in a minute. Okay. If anyone hasn't guessed what the song is, shame oh, on it. you. Let me just elongate my sentences. Right. So, John, many salutations to you for the past week. John has been celebrating a uh, a birthday. Oh, if you don't mind me saying live on air, my friend. Happy birthday to you for the other day. Hey, thank you. I appreciate it, sir. And I want to thank you for the birthday gift. Matt got me a gift card to the Criterion Collection, um, which I bought a Alfred Hitchcock film that I know nothing about, but it was high on the list of the Criterion films. So I was like, hey, nice. I love Hitchcock, so I'm snagging it. So that's, uh, I think I got the shipping notification yesterday, even, so it should be here in a couple of days. Nice. British film as well, so British it director is. at least anyway, sorry. Well, it is from his British era, which is one of the, th- I don't think I've seen a lot of his British films. I've seen mostly his American movies, uh, which is what I think... When people talk about Hitchcock, they're often talking about North by Northwest or Psycho, Rear Window, Vertigo, um, yeah. and Vertigo, all American Hitchcock. So I'm excited to kind of dabble backwards. Um, and then I did see Frenzy, which is his later return to, to the European yes. filmmaking. Um, and that movie's freaking crazy. So uh, I'm excited to see what this one is. Um, and so thank you again for that. Um, in fact, uh, one movie-related news, I will talk about something I watched with my friends on my birthday for Ooh. my birthday. And how that all tied in together, um, it'll be a fun talk in our uh, our media consumption section. But um, we're here this week not to talk about my birthday and getting one year closer to 40, but <laughs> instead um, we're talking about James Gunn's The Suicide Squad, which if we don't start calling it that, I'm going to say shenanigans to Zack Snyder's Justice League because <laughs> this is this movie has James Gunn written all over it and written by him oh, yeah. to further the, the point. Um, the Suicide Squad dropped in theaters and HBO Max, which might be the reason for the unfortunate box office of this film. Um, it has disappointed in the box office. However, we must point out that the Delta variant is running rampant, especially here in my home state of Florida. But um, So people might be afraid to go to the theater. People might not be able to go to the theater because they're in the hospital. Because according to the stats, the hospitals are filling up rapidly. But also, it was... You can watch it at home safely for free if you have HBO Max. There's no additional cost. There's no extra charge. So it's mm-hmm. hard to tell. But if you were to look at the um, the ratings, uh, it, which we're going to get into momentarily, I think you might be able to say it's not the quality that's causing the problem. So uh, The Suicide Squad is a weird sequel and a reboot from the movie that's just called Suicide Squad. Note the difference. There's a the in this one. So they put the, the back in, uh, in spite of, um, <laughs> Sean Parker's, uh, suggestion. And this movie has Margot Robbie returning as the role of Harley Quinn. The only, well, the only super villain character that returns, I think, um, Idris Elba, uh, uh yeah. we have Bill Kinnaman, but technically he's not a super villain. He is yep. the soldier guy who's returning as Rick flag, uh, Idris Elba as, um, Bloodsport, John Cena as the Peacemaker, and then a bunch of names. I'm not going to list all their characters. Michael Rooker, Viola Davis, uh, John Ostrander, Nathan Fillion, Jai Courtney, Falula Borge, 
uh, mailing. I don't know how to say the last name. Nige? Nige? I don't know. Uh, ung. Pete Davidson, Sean Gunn, James's brother, um, Stephen Blackheart, and Steve Agee, among some other people who I, I've left off. There's just it's a huge cast of names. Um, like Peter Capaldi's not even on that list. I just realized because uh, he's down on the IMDb list. Um, the letterbox synopsis: Supervillains Harley Quinn, Bloodsport, Peacemaker, and a collection of nutty cons at Bell Rev Prison join the super secret, super shady task force X as they are dropped off at the remote, enemy-infused island of Porto Maltese. Uh, currently, at least um, when I made this this document, 93% on Rotten Tomatoes, 74 Metascore, 7.9 IMDb user score. And again, it's in theaters and HBO Max, same day. Um, it's only on HBO Max for one month, and then it will be removed. That has been their policy with the, the same day releases. And then it will return, usually it's like 60 to 90 days later, to the HBO service. So... Real quick, we've talked DC movies on here before, so I'm not going to go in long-winded my overall take on the DC uh, universe or cinematic universe, but I am going to briefly talk about David Ayer's Suicide Squad. Now, we have not got the Ayer cut, despite him desperately Hmm. pleading that we do. He's the only one who wants it. Yeah, because the first movie doesn't even seem to get what the Suicide Squad is. Um, The whole premise of Task Force X is that we don't want to risk the lives of soldiers, so we send in a group of villains who we don't care if they die, and in fact, we will threaten to kill them if they don't do what we say into these complex, challenging situations, but they're almost always black ops. They're not meant to be high profile. The first movie, one, he sends a crew of soldiers with them, completely negating the point of the team in the first place. Two, they are fighting a monster character that is like visible to the world. So black ops is out the window almost immediately. And the, the big call to question is why wouldn't Superman show up? Why wouldn't wonder woman? Why wouldn't any of the other heroes that have been established arrive with the world sees this monster about to destroy the planet? The stakes were too high in the first suicide squad. Now we don't spoil these movies. When we talk about them now, we're talking about this year's suicide squad, the suicide squad. This is spoiler free to start with. Feel free to come back on Monday. We will have a spoiler app for you. But James Gunn, proving yet again, he gets these characters. I loved this movie. I loved everything about it. I think it's funny. I think there's heart. I actually cared about these characters. I think we get the best Margot Robbie performance. And she has been consistently good as Harley Quinn. But I think this is the best version of that character we've seen. I also think it speaks to the other versions of the character. I think you see an arc over the course of her, I think, three movies as the character that is outstanding. Um, Idris Elba constantly gets opportunities in these movies. And the movies themselves around him have been bad. He has been consistently good. He gets to shine in both ways this time. He's great, but so is the character. Love it. John Cena used appropriately. He's got a sense of humor. He's kind of making fun of himself. Here's the big seller to me. The the thing that shows that Gunn is better than almost anyone doing this is he made Rick Flagg interesting. (laughs) A character I could have cared so little about in the first movie. And let's be real, Joel Kinnaman has had a pretty not you know, lackluster career overall. He's, he's done some not loving movies. I, I thought he was great in this and he's up against Idris Elba, John Cena and Mario Robbie. And I, I cared about his character shocked me 
floored me had that that succeeded we actually get to see viola davis do stuff as amanda waller which she was just like a a stunt cast in the first film it felt like um and then everybody else just great i i had so much fun with this movie uh gun proving again his use of music is outstanding he knows how to pick the songs that make sense in the needle drop moments they just work so so well i will say matt i've been telling you to listen to kayflay for at least a year She's on the soundtrack, and she's used at one of the scenes yeah. in the movie. And Grandson, another uh, artist who I've been raving about for like two years, he's got two songs on the soundtrack. So I'm like, James Gunn, you're speaking to my musical sensibilities. This is amazing. <laughs> James I, Gunn's I, a fan of the BAMP. Yeah, I am a fan of James Gunn. I was devastated when he was fired from Guardians 3. I thought unjustly so. I think what he tweeted was wrong, but it was also 10 years earlier, and he's clearly changed a lot of those opinions and i also think those opinions reflect the culture of the time not that that's a good thing but i do think it's it's a relevant bit of information that we have changed as a society in the last decade much less um individually but uh i'm glad he's been given that opportunity i can't wait to see guardians 3 but i think in a way i'm so glad he got fired so we get this movie because i don't know if he does this movie if he's not fired from disney from marvel and i i just think gun has such an interesting sensibility. This movie is hard R and my screening, there were some young kids in there. I don't know if they didn't pay attention to the rating or if the parents were like, whatever they like the, the comic book movies, but there's a penis in this film, not a spoiler. Cause I'm not telling you who's, but man, I was like, Oh, I bet those parents aren't so happy about that moment. But, yep. um, but you know, you, you bring your, your kids into a rated R film. You're going to get a rated R movie. And, uh, he, I think he earns it. I think every, every element of this film seems like it makes sense there. Um, I love all of the character development. I just, man, I, I wouldn't have thought I would like this, this much. I am actually a fan of some of the comics. I can't sit here and act like I've read all of the suicide squad books, but I did read the initial run of the new 52. I was really into it. I was excited about the first movie because of that. It disappointed. So I was less excited about this one until the trailer started coming. I'm like, all right, all right, gun. I'm excited. Let's see what you got. And to me, he delivered. And I, I am a huge fan of this film. Um, it's actually one of the first films from this year that I want to rewatch already. Like I'm kind of tempted since it's on HBO Max to go ahead and rewatch it. I did sneak off to the theater to see it. Um, but uh, I'm glad I did. Cause I love, I love seeing movies in the theater. That's my, my first preference, but convenience almost one hour. I almost chose to stay at home, but um, I mentioned last week that I'm reconnecting with some family I, I offered uh, if if my cousin wanted to meet me and go see the movie, and he did. So that's why I went to the theater instead. Uh, nice. So it was cool. I got to see my cousin who I hadn't seen in years, um, and see a great movie with him at the, in the in the process. So that sounds uh, like the best way to watch a film, my friend. I agree. I I loved it, Matt. I'm I'm excited. I'm hopeful. You saw it a week before me, dude. For the one of the, not often here in the UK do we get any kind of scraps from the f- movie studios, but yeah, we got the Suicide Squad one week early. Of course, only theatrically because we don't have HBO Max and not likely to have it for about four years. Um, however, we are going to be getting uh, Paramount streaming service very soon. Oh, um, very cool! In association with Sky and a couple of other ones, so we're, they're coming over. It's basically it's because Sky's got a monopoly. They've got so many contracts out there, we can't get any of these streamer services otherwise we'd have had them uh when they came out but um right yeah so i saw this film uh a week or i've been two weeks since i've seen this film now almost uh my thoughts on the original suicide squad just for comparison i didn't hate that film you know i didn't just had it and it wasn't very good but i really didn't 
uh, dislike it. I mean, I just it was it was a colourful in your face music video, you know, which potentially could have been butchered by the studio, but hasn't made me uh, crave the air cuts. I'm really not interested in the air cut, and I wouldn't have been interested even if the Suicide Squad, Suicide Squad, sorry, didn't come out. Um, on top of that, I also think you're right. If James Gunn isn't fired from Guardians 3 and Disney, he doesn't get this film. But because of that, uh, well, again, whatever anyone thinks of his sacking, because of that, we get the Suicide Squad 3 and we get Guardians 3. So, you know, win-win. Um, right, this film. I went in uh, with, you know, fairly high hopes because I, I wasn't a fan of the first trailer. I did like the second trailer, though. That brought me back into it. Um, but I haven't read any of the comics, so my only real knowledge of, the, of Suicide Squad is from the first film. Um so I went into this thinking, please don't be anything like that. Thank God it's not. This film is a hell of a good time, man. This film, <laughs> this film's mm-hmm. bonkers. It's funny. It's violent. It's got like unexpected moments of heart. I didn't think I'd ever care about uh, a rat catcher, a fellow with polka dots, or a shark, or anyone. But somehow they made me do it. So um, this film I thought was great, and I understand what you mean. There's, there is a real rewatchability about this film, and it's for the reasons. Um, for me that I've just mentioned it's got a bit of everything it knows what it is it doesn't take itself overly seriously and for a film called The Suicide Squad with that uh, synopsis this is exactly what I want from a film like this it's it's big fun big extremely comic book fun this feels like a comic book film to me and what it not what it should be because that's you know me I don't mind comic book films but this feels like a real big good old fun comic book film uh, yeah one of my notes simply says peenies uh, yeah so if you've got s- small kids there's a moment where you might want to cover their eyes um, literally have got that as a bullet point but there are some real good jokes in this real good gags some of the action scenes are really good in fact there's uh i can think of two already i won't go into them remember spoiler review on monday but there's two which i thought was standouts one of them was shot and captured so creatively oh man that it was Honestly, you know, John knows which one I mean. Um, but and with in terms of Harley Quinn, I was worried that the film was going to lean too heavily on Harley Quinn. I don't think they do. I think she fits in as part of the ensemble. Of course, she gets her moments to shine. You don't get Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn and relegate her. She gets some great moments. Um, and as for the arc, uh, yes, when I first watched it, I wasn't so sure there was an arc. I thought they'd regress somewhat. Having um, had the chance to think about it more and sit on it, I do believe that her story in this film kind of ties into her character in Birds of Prey. But because she then, the actions that come because of it creates that arc, the arc finale for her. So um, wonderful opening to this film as well. The intro is just absolutely fabulous. Uh, The introductory sequence is just like, out, it's just in your face absurdity and i was mm-hmm. here for it 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 really sets you up those first kind of 10 minutes maybe 15 minutes if you don't know what to expect you're going to straight away when it after that first kind of big old action introduction james gunn saying right this is a film if you don't like it you might want to go now because this is what you're getting for the next two hours and yeah. um I, I i was here for it. i think the way they used the I want to say the over the overarching villain, but there wasn't really any villains of the piece, or certainly not ones that you'd expect anyway. Um, so was, I was, but yeah, man, I, I was I was into this man. I didn't think I was going to be as into it, but 
it's one of the most entertaining films I've seen this year. And like you, Big yeah. Man, I will happily, I would happily, I, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I would happily go and pay for a ticket and watch it again. Yeah, I I love this movie. Like, the more I've thought on it, I just, I there's so much, it's so fun. Uh, it, it, I don't know, if, I don't think it's necessarily going to be like the best movie of the year, but it might be my favorite of the year by the end because I had such a blast watching it. And that, that was how I felt with Guardians too. And it's, you can compare this to Guardians. It's it's there's similar themes, but it's themes that you see in Guns other movies too. It's you know this idea of like the outsider not being all bad and also not all good people being mm-hmm. all good. There there are these characters have depth, and that's something I think that was totally missing in the first two. They're like they're villains, so they're bad. And it's like yeah, but that's not. She even says the line like "We're bad guys," and it's like the worst line in that <laughs> movie. And it's like he doesn't get nuance that there's there's people have depth yes they do bad things but a lot of times their bad actions are motivated by something else and i feel like gun gets that and it it comes out and it makes you care about the characters because suddenly they're people they're not just villains that are expendable even though that's how the government sees them like uh, i think the first movie you're not sympathetic to their situation it's like well yeah you deserve this because you killed a bunch of people it's like this movie like yes they have done the, the wrong thing, but what we're doing to them is questionable. Mm-hmm. And the movie makes you deal with that. It doesn't just, you know, it's just a plot device. It's it's more than that. There's an ethical dilemma that this movie poses and gun tackles it. And it's, I, it's, there's so much more here than a quote unquote comic book movie. And it is a comic book movie, but it's also a character study there there's there's humanity built into these fictional characters that gun brings out in a fun way it's not preachy it's not this over the top you know sentiment but it's there and if you're willing to uh, grapple with it i think the movie offers you something more than you get from a lot of quote-unquote comic book movies that makes it a standout and i think you could argue the same with the guardians films gun gets the outcast he gets these outliers and is able to bring this kind of surrogate family to life. And I, I love that kind of movie. Like, so it just speaks to my, my sensibilities anyway. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think this is going to easily be in my top five for the year. I would be very surprised if anything tops it. Um, especially if we are just looking at blockbusters, but like, yeah. I, I'm not one of those people who has to be pretentious and not have a blockbuster in their top five. So right now I would be surprised if this isn't in, in that top five for me. It just, it, again, it hits, it hits all my buttons. It's fun. It's action packed. The action sequences are actually good and compelling as opposed yeah. to just like flashy bangs and noises. And again, and the it music complements those scenes oh, in this film. So it well. really does as well. That's such a knack for him, dude. He's the, he's like the master of picking soundtracks. Yeah. I mean, obviously with guardians, because it, it was such a highlight of that movie that it becomes the titling for guardians too, that it's volume two. Um, but yeah, we we all know that Gunn's got a really strong sense of, of sound and music. So um, yeah, clearly we both lo- like this movie. I I love this movie. I think Matt's right there with me, though. It feels like you're you're also no, on dude, a love. I, w- I was. I've had like I said, I've had that extra bit of time to to marinate this sauce. And no, I did, and I and I don't mean to sound disingenuous whatsoever, but I never I didn't believe that uh i would enjoy it as much as i did i i wasn't i thought having watched it because i said to you twice now via the old whatsapp is that i'm looking forward to hearing what you say because i knew you'd like it having watched it i knew that the sensibilities here were very much up your alley up very much up your street but i wanted to know how much you enjoyed it was it mm. going to be a you know six out of ten seven top five oh so i'm 
really glad to hear that. Not only did you like it, but it gave you what you wanted because I didn't think yeah. it was going to. I didn't think that, like I say, like a polka dot man was going to make oh. me do things, man, feel things, man. And yeah. Uh, and again, we'll, we'll go into that on, on the spoilers. Listen out for that on Monday, but no, I had a good time with this. It's a big fun, uh, crude, gory, violent, uh, heart filled comic book film, which I had no idea it was going to be. And yeah, did I say James Gunn? He, he got it. He, he, he managed to, he's assembled this cast along with his obviously excellent casting director, yeah, and they and they all work. They all work together. He's got. He made Joel Kinnaman in, uh, his character Rick Flag into a decent character now, good character, yeah. and that's not just throwing shade at David Ayer. This is talking about this film and this film only. And yeah, Idris Elba, he 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 gets it. Every time he's in a film, he gets it. He knows what yeah. he knows what kind of film he's in, or he knows what he's got to do. So yeah, dude, uh, I'm going to rewatch this film before yeah. the end of the year. I know it because I want to see where this lands in my. Uh, final ranking but i got a feeling it's going to be it's going to be up there and one thing um i think worthy of note because so often directors you get like these negative reports about how they were evil on set or they were really mean or disrespectful the everything coming out uh from this one seems like everybody thinks gun is just this tremendous human being like viola davis had this really long post on her instagram like praising gun and and everybody on the set how awesome they were to work with and i mean she's a oscar caliber actress doing a comic book movie which is a hell of an actress right and it's not the other way around like some a lot of comic book actors have been nominated but a lot of them got their big break because of the comic book movie that is i i still can't fathom why they she wanted to do this back with the first one um but to come back after how much trash talk that first movie had was was a big choice and going into it with a director who had just been fired from the other better comic books cinematic universe was a risk and i love hearing all these really positive stories about gun and if you look at this cast he's worked with michael rooker several times he's worked with nathan fillion many times yep. um obviously his brother sean works with him all the time <laughs> um but when people keep coming back to work with you it it, it doesn't say that you're good because they could all be horrible people for all i know but it, it does at least speak that these people get each other and they like to work together and it sounded like it was just a, a pleasant film to make Yep. And you don't hear those stories nearly enough. You know, we almost always only hear the bad stories because that's yep. the ones that are juicy and worth talking about. But I do want to look out, look around for those interviews with, with the cast. They all seem to really praise the whole production and how fun this movie was to make. And that's refreshing. Sometimes you get a press junket or, 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 or tweets or whatever, which you can kind of, anyone can kind of see between the lines and think, Oh, it kind of feels like they've been forced to say this. You yeah. don't ever get that with this vibe. You kind of, the vibe that the film gives you the kind of like punchy enthusiasm of the film feels like it's kind of ingrained within the cast, which is uh, fabulous to, to see. I agree. My final question for you, one, you can only give one word or maybe two words, one name, who was your standout character? No reasons, just one name. Ratcatcher two. Ooh, see, I, uh, I, I went back and forward. Uh, so I'm going to stick with Polka Dot Man for now, though. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I could have said several names. I, I like yeah. a lot of characters in this movie, but Ratcatcher two was a big surprise for me, and I also, I just loved her whole like kind of sleepy, like lazy millennial <laughs> vibe. I thought that was really funny because um, it never felt insulting. It just was like a trait she had. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I thought she was great and a surprise because I knew nothing about the rat catcher. Like that was mm-hmm. not a character I was familiar with going into this, so. two, two, but the whole, the whole general <laughs> of course, character. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's our uh, spoiler free review of 
The Suicide Squad from 2021, available in theaters and HBO Max. Um, if you haven't seen it, watch it. We will have a spoiler app dropping in a couple days, so check your feed for that. You don't have to do anything special. It just shows up on Mondays. With that, let's get into our next segment, Chuffed Headlines. These are movie or pop culture news that caught our attention. We start with Matt this week. Matt, what headline grabbed you and said, read me, you must? Uh, there was one headline that grabbed me and said, read me, you must. Uh, really odd one, but it's one that's been doing around for a long time. But there is mm-hmm. reasoning for this. And it's uh, the, the headline is Tarantino's Star Trek movie is the kind of risk the franchise needs. Director Quentin Tarantino has an inventive gangster centric Star Trek movie pitch that would be perfect to bring fun back to the franchise hmm. uh, this is from screen rant written by cathal gunning what a name um and this is more to the point that we know that tarantino i believe has got one film left in him he says yeah he's gonna do his 10 films and that's it now he could always change his mind or he could find a loophole around that but for the longest time he's been saying or there's been rumours that, you know, he wants to do this Star Trek film, which is kind of th- throwing people off the wagon a bit because, yeah. you know, where, where on earth did that come from? A gritty gangster film set on the USS Enterprise or whether it would be. Uh, interesting. Uh, one of the quotes in the article says, um, in terms of, you know, what's about, uh, Captain Kirk's in it. All the characters are there. You would look at it like all the episodes of the show didn't really connect. So this would be almost his own episode, a very cool episode. And there's a little time travel uh, stuff going on. And they say that it's the kind of high spirited fun movie that the franchise needs after um, Justin Lin and JJ Abrams et al have been trying to kickstart the movie franchise, which to be honest, they did. I think you yeah. know, the, the films aren't bad, they're, they're different in quality, but same for most franchises. I like You've the first and third a lot. Diff- like, I'm I agree about the first. The second one is yeah, it's middling, but Star Trek is still going. There's still it's still on TV. There's about a hundred TV shows on, new yeah. and old. You've got the lower decks animated sitcom. So there's plenty going on. But what what really caught my eyes? Not my thoughts on this. Cause my thoughts on this are sheer ambivalence because I haven't seen Star Trek really, other than the new films and a few episodes and the very first Star Trek: The Motion Picture for astrology. Um, and also the fact that you know how does Tarantino's sensibility and quirks fit into Star Trek? Would I like to see that? Yeah, sure. If he's got a free shot, go for it. You, however, uh, as we mentioned on astrology and on the BAMP as well, have, within the last year or so, yeah. watched Star Trek. You've you've absorbed it. You've got, you've, you've got into it a bit more. You've got more of an... For me, you've got more of an outlook on this, so you can sort of look at this now and think, yeah. well, how would that work? So it's kind of... I picked this one because it interested me, but also because I knew that you can actually have a say on this, um, having seen star trek so you know how how how? (laughs) was my question yeah i i like you like you said i've watched all of the original movies i haven't seen i think i've seen one of the next gen movies and i've seen all of the uh abrams slash lynn trilogy um and i've watched some of the original series so i i I, at this point i consider myself a star trek fan but i wouldn't put myself into the level of like i know everything there's way too much is the lore extends outside of the shows there's books there's all sorts of stuff um, and from my understanding, the fan base is one of the most precious. Like they don't like changes. Like, uh, when a- when JJ stepped in, um, he had to figure out how to do a reboot without canceling out all of the other stuff. That's where the time travel element comes yep. in, which is, I forget what the timeline is called, but there's an alternate timeline. For uh, the Kelvin. Kelvin timeline is what we call the JJ trilogy, essentially. 
And um, I don't know if Tarantino, what you just said sounds like he's wanting to almost like alter the timeline. And I think fans would lose their mind unless he writes <laughs> in the time travel element. <laughs> um, and th- there is so much history attached to it because those characters weren't just in a couple of movies and a couple of shows. They have repro- reprised those roles in multiple films. Uh, even in the Kelvin timeline, they wrote, you know, Leonard Nimoy as Spock into it. So he's there yeah. as Spock. So it, it's, it's so hard to try to recast and it not come off as like a different version of the same thing or whatever. So it's, it's a risky move. And again, not in Tarantino's MO. Tarantino has always done quote unquote original concepts. I mean, <laughs> it's strong because he does pull from so many other movies, yeah. but they're his <laughs> movies. Um, there is another Django Unchained. There is another Inglorious Bastards. But the the movies that we got from him are not like even reboots or remakes. It's more of like a general concept that he's pulling from than it is like a new version of those stories. So I, it's interesting to see what he would do. Um, you mentioned the loophole with his tenth film. Someone said maybe he means ten original films, so this wouldn't count. Or mm-hmm. maybe he'll just write the script and maybe like ghost direct the movie or whatever. Um, and it does not count or whatever. I, I mean, but it's so dumb because he can do is whatever he wants. There's no like contract that says he can only make 10 movies unless he signed a deal with the devil. We don't know about in which case, uh Oh, but, um, on, yep. but I, I mean, I like Tarantino. Um, would I watch a Tarantino Star Trek film? Of course. Uh, you can take my money right now. I'm in, I just don't know what it'll be. And I don't know what kind of ripple effect it will have on that, that fan base. And, if it's anything like when we saw an auteur get a hold of Star Wars, it won't be good, right? Like, is Ryan Johnson is an auteur filmmaker, and people didn't like it. Uh, Tarantino, there is some debate whether or not he's an auteur or a postmodern filmmaker. I think he's both, to be fair. But, um, I, you know, this is a beloved, beloved franchise that it, yeah. it doesn't... But, to be fair, my understanding is he's a fan. So... I don't see him not doing it justice. You know what I'm saying? No, like, yeah, I don't I, think he's going to run with it and make a mockery of it. I think he'd, yeah. he'd want to do justice to it, but it would be in his own image. Right. It's like, what, what if Tarantino, I mean, uh, can, can you imagine if, is he going to stay true to like the no cursing? Um, he going to invent his own cursing in this. Yeah. Like, new, like Klingon curse words or whatever, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I'm definitely, I'm curious to see if this actually ever goes anywhere because it has been a rumor for years about him yeah. wanting to do this. I think since Star Trek Beyond, I think there's been speculation about him doing this. So if it ever comes to anything, will be interesting. Yep. So uh, yeah, that was what I wanted to hear. Was you you've you, you've you've seen Star Trek way more than I have. So your thoughts on it? So, but I'm with you there. If 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 they said, look, do you want to see it tomorrow? You know, it doesn't count as his tenth film fine go for it i would really really like to see what he would do how these characters would act and also just what the like the interior of the ship and the surrounds it would look like how would that fit with his stylings but uh yep tarantino star trek movie not new news but i wanted to hear what burke said and it is a risk and i do believe the franchise like star wars and most uh franchises of this age do need to shake things up and take some risks and maybe tarantino's the man to do it but that's my headline my friend what about you so I went with um, how Hollywood failed Brendan Fraser and why he deserves a comeback, which he's Ooh. kind of in the midst of. Um, we, if you watched uh, No Sudden Move, uh, you saw Brendan Fraser get a, a role there. He had a big breakout with the Doom Patrol, um, although his character 
on screen for the most part isn't you don't see Brendan Fraser. You see like a robot man. Um, I think his name is actually robot man. And, but he does have like some flashbacks, I think where you see Frazier. Um, but, uh, let's, Oh, I guess Darren Aronofsky, uh, he's in the, the new whale. Darren Aronofsky movie, the whale. And he's, uh, just got cast in Martin Scorsese's upcoming film killers of the flower moon. Um, so he's getting some big roles from some prestigious filmmakers. And I have been a fan of Brendan Fraser most of my life because I love a movie that we've talked about maybe too many times Encino man, which was his debut. <laughs> um, and so I've always been kind of aware of Brendan Fraser. I also love the mummy, a movie we talked about extensively last week because of jungle cruise yep. and um, because of his s- slow comeback and uh, jungle cruise bringing back this love of that movie, which I think the mummy and the mummy returns are underrated. The mummy is substantially better. I understand that. There's still good stuff in Returns. That's all I'm saying. They hear me out. It's not perfect. What about the third one? Third one, I've never made it all the way through. <laughs> I just can't. It's real bad. Um, but I don't blame him for that. I just no. think the movie's bad. But he did vanish for a while. Like It was just like he, he didn't exist. Now, he did do some bad movies. So let's not act like all of his filmography is perfect. Of course, yeah. But again, I don't necessarily think he is at fault for any of those things. Like, George of the Jungle is fine. It's whatever, you know? Um, but apparently... Uh, he accused a pr- producer or something of uh, sexual misconduct. Um, and he was one of the male actors who came out during the Me Too movement to talk about that and like being groped and harassed. Um, but he also suffered a lot of injuries that required a lot of surgeries after uh, The Mummy Returns, I think. Um, that put him on the shelf for a while and he couldn't do <laughs> the same action and stuff because of it. So he's just he just kind of got left behind. Um, something we hear about Hollywood doing far too often where like it's not anything particular that the actor did it's more like you can't do the things we wanted you for and now we just don't have a place for you goodbye and that's that's dirty and sad and it's it's one of the things that makes me upset about our system you hear a lot about like actors aging out or if their their physical appearance changes which i think is part of brendan frazier's he was kind of a heartthrob yeah and so it's a shame that this happens but all the accounts seem like Brendan Fraser was a really terrific actor who was a good to work with. And it just mm-hmm. circumstances um, and a, a little bit of apparently the political side where he wasn't willing to, to bend or do certain things and that hurt his career. And that's something that I think uh, hopefully will change with the me too movement pushing for that change. And we've seen yeah. some change, but it's, it's far too late and probably far too little um, right away, but hopefully we, with continue push and the, all the actors who are stepping up and, and speaking out, uh, we will continue to see the movement, but I, I'm excited to see him getting all these opportunities. He was really good and no sudden move. Um, and I've always, again, I've always been a fan of his uh, and he seems to like acting, which I think is something there are other actors who get a lot of work who clearly don't, you know? So I'd love yeah. for him to get the opportunity. Uh, what are your thoughts, Matt? Uh, pretty much what you said, and uh, I mean, touching on the 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 Me Too and the the allegations, we must call them that. Uh, that Brendan um, has against the head of the Golden Globes. Um, it's yeah, obviously with, with with the Me Too movement, you kind of our first thoughts are, you know, it's it was it was all females, and it doesn't matter who it is, it's disgusting, it's awful behaviour. But, but obviously then you've got someone like Brendan Fraser, Terry Crews as well, who's been very yeah. outspoken about some of the treatment he's faced. And it's great to see these actors and actresses taking a stand and still, and working. And even, do you know what? It's, it's empowered them as well, which is what 
you know, the whole movement stands for. And for Brendan Fraser, I'm so glad that um, what he's been through with his um, personal life in terms of those allegations, plus with his um, image, should we say, like we, like you said, he's had a lot of surgery on his knees. Um, he's had time out of the game. So I'm just glad that he's back. But it's not just that he's back. He's back working with actors of the calibre of Darren Aronofsky and, of course, mm-hmm. Scorsese. Um, he was also in Behind the Curtain of Night as well. Um, so he's coming back, but he's not just coming back and taking a few small indie films. I say small indie films. He's, yeah. <laughs> he's doing indie films to an extent, but they're not small. Um, or he hasn't, he's not coming back in kind of goofball comedies and like that. He's coming back to, to being the whale, which is, uh, it's about a man with severe obesity who has to reconnect with his estranged teenage daughter which already smacks of familial drama, obviously, but yeah. you know, there's going to be a lot more behind it because of who's directing it. Right. Killers of the flower moon, De Niro, DiCaprio, our man, Jesse Plemons. This is, you know, these are, these are Hollywood heavy hitters and Brendan Fraser. I'd have no doubt will be able to slot in alongside them and, um, and be just as good. He's playing WS Hamilton who's a lawyer. And Brendan Fraser's always had the chops. He's always had the capability. But like you say, everyone has, um, everyone stars in bad movies. And and then in Brendan Fraser's case, it was a couple of bad films, plus seemingly everything conspiring against him to kind of take him out of the game. But I'm really glad to see that he's back. And those mummy films, when he's Rick O'Connell, certainly the first one and parts of the second one, so entertaining. But the through line through all of that, Brendan Fraser is so good in those films and George of the Jungle as well. He gets that. John loves a bit of Encino man, but Brendan Fraser was just like an eminently watchable actor. There was people who'd always say he's like a throwback um, kind of actor, mm. throwback Hollywood actor. That's what we we're saying around the time of the mummy. Yeah. And, and I, and I don't disagree with that. And I think now in his, uh, now he's a little bit older, a bit wiser, world weary experience, whatever you want to call it. I think we're going to see some real decent, um, Real decent turns from Brendan Fraser, and I'm and I'm here for it. And if he's only picking roles where he's in films by Aronofsky's, by Scorsese, and whoever else he wants to work with, like big big name actors like that, who but artistic directors, like you say, then dude, I'm I'm absolutely here for that, and I'm here for that, and I'm pleased for him as well. I'm pleased for him because a lot of people growing up saw those films, like you mentioned, The Mummy, and that's that's their memories of Brendan Fraser. So it's great to see him coming back, and hopefully, by the looks of it. With a bang. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's our chuffed headlines for the week. But let's get into media consumption. These are movies, TV shows, video games, music, podcasts, not ours, of course. But anything we use to pass the time between episodes. Matt, what have you been consuming since the last time we recorded? Um, a, a decent selection this week, I'd like to say. Uh, I listened to the Nightmare and Film Street podcast where they were talking about Friday, the original Friday the 13th. And Friday the 13th, part two, kind of talking about with them, comparing them, the stories behind the scenes, which one was better, how the second one really just took that uh, first film and just sort of thought, you know, threw it away somewhat, but it still uh, remains in the, as part an integral part of the franchise. So I always enjoy listening to that. So horror fans, if, um, if you want to listen to our podcast, go and listen to them. I'm not affiliated or sponsored by them, of course, but uh, go check that out. In terms of films, I've gone back and watched Moonlight, the film that robbed La La Land of the Best Picture Oscar. Um, and I, I, no, I really liked Moonlight when it came out. It's, it, 
it means so much to a lot of people. The messages within it, the themes, the story mm-hmm. itself. Um, it's a wonderful film, Moonlight. And being, what, five, four, five years removed from my first viewing, which wow. sounds outrageous because you realise it came out 2016 and that's, yeah, oh, wow, yeah, four and a half, five years ago now. It, it's even more powerful now and even it's even better now, uh, Moonlight is. So um, it's a film I picked up on physical media. For that reason, I haven't been able to find it on streaming. I'm sure it is out there, but I couldn't find it. So I went and picked it up for a couple of bucks, a couple of quid. And um, I really, really enjoy Moonlight. Uh, Silent Hill, the 2006 horror film. Uh, I've be, I have I rewatched that because I'm talking about it with my buddy Bloggy in the next week or so. And what can I say about Silent Hill? It's pretty good. I actually don't mind the, Silent, the first Silent Hill film. I have no, no shame like in saying it. that. Yeah, yeah I, I thought you would. Second one, horrible awful awful silent hill revelations is a oh it's a smite on mankind but um silent hill is fine i think it, it mixes a lot of what made the game so good with you know your traditional contemporary hollywood trappings sean bean's american accent is just hilarious but you know can't have it all and the ending is just violently brutally awful like horrific to watch but um so silent hill was a uh was another rewatch uh, and, a, and another rewatch is another film I picked up because it was very cheap. It's um, it was the artist. I don't know if you were, if you've seen the artist or not. It's, it's on my major gap list because it's an Oscar winner. I haven't seen, so I, I have it. I just have not watched it. Yep. I, I, I think, I think you'll like this film. Uh, it is a, obviously it's I'm about to say inspired by the black and white silent films. It is, but, <gasps> It's uh, it's it's a wonderful film. Again, I say wonderful an awful lot, and maybe people think I don't mean it, but I generally do. The uh, the artist is, I think, is is one of the better, um, uh, best picture winners of the last decade. I think it's also one of the most overlooked because, in terms of the decade, it's one of the first ones. But obviously, you've got some some of the films that did win, yeah, big films that won. Uh, they kind of takes take away. You know what made the artist so good? The artist is, if I can be so pretentious, the artist is modern cinema. I mean, this is—it's to completely a throwback to the tw- late twenties, early thirties. That's, that's what it is yeah. about. That's the film, but it is cinema, man. It is the, the technical achievement that uh, Michelle um, ha- has an av- vicious—I can never say it properly—did um, with uh, Jean Dujardin and Berenice Bejo. Oh man, I think you'll really like this film. So I won't say yeah. too much more because, again, I'm not sure it's a film that you can spoil as such. But I would really like to hear your take on it without me telling you anything about it. It's on the list. I hope I will be able to check it off soon. I know that in the upcoming months, my film viewing is going to be down because I'm back at work and I have yeah. extra classes at my college uh, job. So I am going to be uh, a little busier than normal. Um, so I don't know, like, I, I will always make the BAMP movie, and I will always watch the Movie Club movie, and I will try to watch at least one more, um, and then if I can fit anything else in, I will, but, you know, it, it does become uh, time-consuming. In fact, that's why this week my consumption is very low, because I was super swamped last week with getting stuff ready for work this week. Um, but I did listen to the new episode of Blank Check, which is, uh, they just started the John Carpenter series. Um, I'd already watched Dark Star a couple weeks back. I mentioned <laughs> it, but uh, listening to them talk about it is always fun. 
Um, I really appreciate Dark Star. Uh, I don't think it's a masterpiece by any means, but it is a great kind of foreshadowing of what's to come uh, yeah. from Carpenter. And um, I think I think it's worth rewatching. I haven't had a chance to do that, but I was really intrigued by listening to the conversation. Um, for TV, I watched the most recent episode of Dave. They continue to crush this season. I cannot wait for the last episode. I think we're about on the finale. Um, I caught kind of in the background, but um, movies that made us, uh, I think season two is out. <laughs> Um, which has four movies on it. One of them, the first episode is Back to the Future. I need to watch this, man. I'm a little bummed because they did two Zemeckis films because they also did Forrest Gump for this mm-hmm. season. I'm like, two Zemeckis though? Like, I mean, I like Zemeckis, but Blank Check already did all of his films like last year. So I, I've recently studied him. So like everything to me just feels like a rehash where I think most yep. people would learn a lot of stuff. But for me, I've already studied his career. Plus, I also watched the Back to the Future documentary that's on Hulu. I, I think it's Back in Time or something like that. Nice. Um, and so, I, I for me, this episode was like very, very redundant. I think most people would probably learn a lot of stuff unless you are like me, an obsessive fan of this franchise um, and have studied the films at this level. But I did, it's still a good episode. It's just for me, it was like, okay, yeah, I already know that. Yes, I already know that. Yes, I already know that. You're not doing anything new here, uh, show. But again, I've I probably have studied it more than your casual Back to the Future fan. So, yep. uh, still good show. It, it's not perfect. Uh, it's a lot of voiceover narration. But it, to me, I like hearing all the the stories like that went into the making of and the behind the scenes stuff and the problems, quote unquote, that that happened during filmmaking. Um, so I, I do plan on watching the other ones. I think it's also a good show to throw on in the background. Like you don't have to give it your full attention to kind of get what you want from it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I I needed. I was doing some like you know, paperwork stuff, stuff that doesn't need a lot of my attention, but also I'm going to be doing for a while. And I just wanted something on in the background to keep me uh, engaged. If I was needing up second to myself kind of thing. And that was the perfect show for that. Um, I managed to catch the fifth episode of white Lotus, the HBO series I've been watching weekly. Um, I really like the series. I think it's, it's weird. I don't know where it's going. Um, and I, I'm kind of curious to see, cause at the, the very first episode, the opening of the episode is at the end of the series and we know something and there's like, it's a very, we know someone's dead, but we don't know why or how or who. So (laughs) it's not a central part of the plot. Like it's not like you're waiting for someone to do the thing, but you are curious as to who is dead. Um, and why are we seeing it? Like, what's the relevance? So I am curious to see if that actually plays a factor, if it was more of a red herring to just kind of build the intrigue. So far, it's not an integral part, but it's definitely a part. Um, for movies, uh, last week on Movie Club, we watched Akja, the Bong Joon-ho film. Oh, yeah, I really like that film. I loved it, man. Yes! I, uh, I, I'm kind of a, a, a stand for Bong Joon-ho at this point. I, every movie I've seen of his, I've enjoyed extensively. Um, but Akja through me i was not expecting to love it so much i especially i get a little apprehensive about like the boy and their dog type story mm-hmm. story arc because so often it ends in like devastating tragedy uh, because you love the animals so much and anything that happens you're just like what are you doing movie that definitely is in this film but uh there's so much more around it plus i think jake gyllenhaal has never had more fun in a movie than his performance in this film he is so off the rails and then paul <laughs> dano gets oh, to show yes being a badass and like he nails it i thought paul dano was so good in this movie he's I great just, in anything i find I, i'm a fan too for sure 
but often he has to play kind of like sappy loser guys mm-hmm. and rarely does he get to have this like confident like persona where it's just like he's oozing confidence to the point where like even when you think he's going to show like a, a little bit of vulnerability he's not he's still just this confident guy but he's not i don't know I, it's, just, it's such a cool performance i loved him in this film um watch uh for this week because of my new schedule and my hectic life i'm trying to do my movie club movie and the band movie in the weekends yep. so i'm like very ahead of our movie club so i'm talking about this movie before recording an episode about it but Corey picked our uh, movie we're doing stream with me so these are movies that are streaming on a service that's why i had akja and then she picked a shutter original called vicious fun yep have you seen this yep I love I this movie, I'm, 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 I'm gonna say, I don't want to say anything because I wasn't sure if you were giving away your thoughts or not, but yeah, I enjoyed this too. It's, it, man, it's exactly what the title says. It's vicious fun. I, I yep. was um, annoyed a couple of times. Like, the, the lead actor isn't bad, but his character's annoying at times. But he's kind of supposed to be. But it did, yep. like, I was like, oh man, oh man, I want the scene to end so bad. <laughs> like, it just, it was like <laughs> irritating me. But the movie itself, I thought, was really fun. A very cool concept. A lot they of good, like jokes, yeah. It's it's real cool, um, and some some familiar faces, and then some new faces. Uh, it's a real good mix of of a cast. Um, but the highlight of my week, Matt, is my friends coming over for my birthday party, <laughs> uh, my yeah. quote unquote party. Um, my friend, uh, a good friend, a guy I play magic with all the time, um, was planning my my celebration with my wife, and uh, said he was bringing. Um, cards some food and and a lot of green stuff and <laughs> my wife and i didn't know what green stuff meant and he showed up with uh we had um ch- a mint chocolate chip ice cream gr- uh grapes green grapes um green jello like a lime jello cups uh pistachios <laughs> um i'm trying to think of all the green stuff that there, there's so much stuff um so you think oh slimer's green must be ghostbusters I have no clue why it's green, right? And then we had briefly, uh, he had found out I've never seen Troll 2, which is one of those movies that is cult status bad movie, right? Like, so bad it's good, like The Room. Like, The Room, I think, has surpassed it as the worst film. Of the the Citizen Kane of bad movies is what it's often called. What Troll it's called, 2 yeah. was that for years. Um, I've seen both now. I, I saw The Room as a Rift Tracks uh, screening, and I, I The Room is terrible but fun. Troll 2 is terrible, but fun in a different way. But, oh, man, it was so much fun basically riffing the movie for my birthday. We were we were cracking up, laughing. I guessed <laughs> one of the most shocking parts of the movie spot on. But there's a – I'm not going to spoil all of it, but there's a scene where uh, the kid is told he has to stop his family from eating the green food. That's mm-hmm. why the green food, everybody, if that wasn't fun. Or they will be trapped there forever. And I joke him like he's gonna pee on the food. He pees on the food, everybody. That's what he does. That's the solution that the <laughs> film writer came up with. My friend, his jaw dropped. Uh, that I guessed that. Um, I said it as a joke. It's one of those moments where the riff turned out to be true. That's how bad the movie is. That something I said to be seriously facetious was serious. And folks, um, if you haven't seen Troll Two. Uh, just for the record, I owned it. That's uh, that's the comedy of the thing. I've had it <laughs> oh for years. Oh my god! Uh, oh yeah, you've probably seen that meme, if nothing else. Um, <laughs> th- there is a making out scene with corn on the cob that turns into popcorn. <laughs> <That's> Duh. Just... <laughs> oh man, it's so stupid. Happy birthday! Uh, 
yeah, it was a great time. I had such a fun time it's watching it. It's a perfect with them. film to watch with, with your buddies, um, get some food in, get whatever you want in and just have a good time. That's a, it's, it's one of those perfect films where you can just have fun with, even though it is clearly one of the worst films I've ever seen. It's, yes, you want it in the right environment. It's one of the best films you'll ever see. Yeah, it, again, it, it is not a film I'm recommending in the sense of like <laughs> it, this is the, this is the the highest form of our art. No, no, it's the opposite, but it's still enjoyable. It's so it's not part of the trolls uh, cinematic universe. By the no. way, don't take your kids to see and it. More importantly, you don't need to watch Troll One because this sequel is only a sequel in name. It has nothing, <laughs> nothing to, to do, do with it. it. In fact, there are no trolls at all. It is they are goblins. <laughs> it is explicitly stated that they are goblins um, from the get go. Oh. It's so <laughs> stupid. Uh, and if you once you watch it, I do recommend going through the IMDb trivia because the trivia of this movie is outrageous as well. So um, that's what we've been consuming since the last time we recorded. And each week we have to gather and muster all the energy we can to bring you this bloody awesome content you might think it's just in, innate and well this is just who we are but no folks it takes a lot of work and so we like to look back at the week and say how we've been staying bloody awesome matt what have you been doing to stay bloody awesome this week um staying bloody awesome this week i've been i've been doing less of the social media stuff now people who follow me will think well how is that so you've been there's been things going every day the power of scheduling is what it is. Uh, I've just thought for uh, reasons that John's mentioned as well off air that you, know, be, be, you can become so linked to your phone, to your Instagrams, your twits that you kind of lose track of reality a bit. And I wanted to step back a little bit because I'd find myself um, just picking up my phone and scrolling through Twitter, even though I've just done it three, four minutes before nothing's new on there i just you know it just becomes a habit so i've just thought you know what for the most part this week i'm just going to schedule anything that needs to go out and you know do my damn this just to kind of not really go on it if i get a notification i'll i'll look at it i'll answer it but i'm not going to just sit in doom scroll um and i find it and i've heard a lot of people saying oh you know it's really good it makes you feel better and you kind of feel a bit more a bit looser about things and it it's true actually it's only been a, f- a few days or so but you do notice a difference when you find yourself not compelled to just scroll and look at the lives of others and all that the whole time. Just focus on your own for once. So I would recommend it, even if it's only for a few days, a self-imposed little break can do wonders for the mind. I haven't got any cleverer or any wiser, but uh, <laughs> it was a it was a nice little break, and I did feel bloody awesome because of it. So uh, that's me. Go. How about you, sir? Well, today, uh, actually, after when we're recording this is after my first day with students, um, and it's the first day here in Florida where all of our students were uh, required to come back to school in person, no more yeah. half online, half in person, that kind of thing, um, which as much as I am afraid of COVID and, and the Delta variant, and I am masking and I am vaccinated, um, I also, uh, I wanted my students back. Uh, it is very, very different teaching with students in person. And, um, so I was nervous this morning and I got to say, despite still the apprehension about like having so many people in a small space and, and who knows, and, you know, we can't mandate masks here in Florida for students. So it's a choice if they want to wear one or not. Um, besides all of that, the, the general vibe I had today was great. Uh, one, I don't think in my 13 years of teaching, I've ever felt like every student actually wanted to be there because I think last year when it was suddenly not an option, 
you you kind of re- you know you realize what you had and uh i i was so hyped for so many reasons man like every year i i bring up you know like uh you know, we're going to watch some black and white movies and I'll have students like, Oh, black and white movies are bad. Even though they haven't really seen any or like, I don't like old movies. Go watch the artist. It's a new black and white or, film then. Yeah. Or, or the lighthouse. I can't show that, but, um, <laughs> yeah. but I had, I, I said that like today, like, Oh, you know, um, a lot of students are like, old movies are bad. And I had this kids in my, my sixth period who were like, what old movies are the best. These new movies just have, the, and I'm like, my jaw dropped. I'm like, hold on, wait a second. Like, are you are you film people uh, before you got to me? Because a lot of times they're not, uh, and so I'm super hyped. I have a lot of kids who are like really really into movies, and for the last few years it's been like, oh, I only watch TikTok or I only watch YouTube. But to have kids coming in who are excited about looking at film this way is a new world. Uh, again, I convince a lot of them to join me in this path, but to have them already kind of there and on board with what I'm doing, it was it was incredible. I was so hyped throughout the day. Nice. Uh, I really needed that in sixth period because like by the end of the day, I'm already kind of tired and I want to give them the same energy I had for first period. And they, they made it easy because they were as excited as I was to talk about it. And so I'm, I'm really ecstatic to see what goes into these classes. And um, uh, one, I have a spot on a wall where I do a weekly recommendation. So I just put a movie that I've recently watched on and like what streaming service I watched it on. So if they want to watch it, they can, um, and uh, this week I went with Wait Until Dark, a movie that you recommended. Yep. Um, nice. So I brought that up. And also uh, one of my students, um, my class that I've had uh, for this is their third year with me. We were able to get through a lot of like the basic stuff really quick because they've already had me for two years. So they know the general policies and stuff. And so we were just kind of talking about what movies they saw over the summer since we last saw each other. And um, or movies or TV. And one student was like, have you seen The Bad Batch? Which... Honestly, I was like, wait, what's that? Oh, yeah, the Star the Star Wars uh, animated series. I No, I haven't. <laughs> but I brought up the Star Wars sessions and was telling them about what you guys do. And, oh, thank uh, you. Um, one, of, one of my students had never watched any of the Star Wars movies, but watched all nine movies over the summer and likes all nine. Um, she's like, I don't really understand why everyone hates on the prequels. I'm like, well, that's that's been a roller coaster. Um, <laughs> but I brought up that you guys got to interview the actor who played Jar Jar, uh, the, the poorly attacked oh, man. Best, yep. Yeah, um, but... So it, today was a really good first day back. I think, honestly, it feels like maybe one of the best first days back. It, I nice. had no issues. Um, the kids were all really uh, mostly excited. I think the one class that is the big struggle always is my yearbook class because while I like yearbook, it's not as easy to be as hyped about as it is like for film. Like There's so many movies, and I love – like I spend so much time with film – I spent a lot of time with yearbook, but it's only with yearbook. There's not like, I'm not like at home designing yearbooks for myself or, you know, like, so there, there is, uh, it's not as immediate of a connection, um, Mm -hmm. with that class, Uh, you know, but all in all good first day back. I'm excited for this school year. I hope I can stay COVID free. I hope I can keep my kids in my room. Um, I hope we can beat COVID all of that, but, uh, you know, only time will tell in that regard. We'll just have to see, uh, how that plays out. Um, but I think that's the gist of it. That's how I stayed bloody awesome this week was like putting everything into my job and then it paying off today. And that does genuinely sound bloody awesome. It's, it's almost like the first day all over again, first day in a new job all over again. So uh, I'm glad to hear that, my friend. Yep. Thank you, sir. I, I, I'm glad to share it uh, with that folks. That is our episode for the suicide squad, but we will be back 
next week with uh, we're going to be covering Ryan Reynolds' new film. It stars and not directed. Uh, the fr- it's just Free Guy. There's no the. They dropped yes, the the Free Guy. Um, which originally we weren't going to do this, but the buzz around this movie so far is really really positive from what I've seen. And honestly, I'm a Ryan Reynolds fan, so I'm kind of like on board. Anyways, I, I skipped Hitman's Bodyguard's Wife this year. Um, I didn't make it to the theater to see that. I don't know if it's any good. No, I didn't I, see it. I don't have any. I don't want yeah. to. <laughs> if I'll watch it on a streaming service eventually. But Free yeah. Guy, I'm I'm kind of hyped about. It. We got Taika Waititi as the villain. Like I'm I'm in. Let's do it. Little Rel Howery's in this. Like it looks fun to me. Uh, it, it, maybe like the best use of the video game as a movie module. Who knows? Uh, we'll be back next week to talk about it though. Hopefully we both like it. We'll, we'll see. Um, but yep. we're also, I think both of us are probably going to watch respect this week as well. Yep. So, you know, we might end up talking about both movies. We'll see what happens, but our focus for next week is free guy. Uh, again, if you're subscribed to this podcast and that's how you're hearing us, you're going to get our spoiler episode of the suicide squad on Monday. Uh, feel free to check that out. But in the meantime, if you want to reach out to us, you want to tell us what you think, you have opinions, you have suggestions, hit us up on social media. You can follow BAMP on Instagram at bloody awesome movie pod. And what about Twitter, Matt? You can find us at BAMP underscore podcast, B-A-M-P underscore podcast. We're still on the Facebook. You can just search bloody awesome movie podcast. And then you can follow us individually. I'm at BurkeReviews.com and Burke reviews on all the social media platforms. And Matt, uh, what I watch tonight.co.uk and Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd for what I watch tonight. And the last thing we'll say is if you like what we're doing here at BAMP, we ask that you take a moment and give us that five star rating. It helps other listeners find us, and that's all we ask of you to do. Um, just share it with your friends. Let them know that, hey, this podcast is worth your time. With that, we encourage you to keep watching movies and stay bloody awesome. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Blah, 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 bl